0: you're listening to two guys talking wine with michael Pincus and andre pru hello michael andre so good to hear your voice again yes i guess this is uh two times this week we have spoken once in person and once not in person
1: yes this is the un un in person non in person <laughs> unpersonalized yeah i don't know i'm looking for the word I don't know. We'll figure it out. So um, what's uh, what's going on?
0: We had a chance yesterday. Oh, I got to see you. You were um, hosting an event. We're kind enough to invite me to a lunch at the, um, what's it called? The Hamilton Cro-
1: Croatian Sports Club. The Croatian Sports in
0: Club you. in Hamilton, which is yeah. a lovely venue. I'm, I'm sure they throw probably throw some pretty awesome weddings and, and banquets there from the looks of things. They have a nice soccer field out
1: there too and the drive up there is gorgeous especially this time of year. Oh god, I was like wow, I've never been up this this way and it was just like it's right up there on the on the on the escarpment, I guess, and yep. the Hamilton Mountain or something like that? And it was uh, just, when, it,
0: when it's really... this close to the city, they call it the mountain. And I, I, had oh, cri- I had Chris Waters actually message me after I'd moved to the city that uh, once I moved to the city, I can no longer refer to it as the escarpment. I, I officially have to refer to it as the mountain.
1: Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. So yeah, so just up the mountain there and it was uh, quite lovely. Like the views were great and you could see uh, Lake Ontario right from, you know, from pretty much everywhere. And wow, it was just really lovely.
0: You know, I'm actually appreciating appreciating the fact that this is now two weeks in a row where we have a chance to. um, Well, for me, it was to learn something new. I I think I not. I think I know. I've tasted some Croatian wines, but um, I have found that with like a lot of these smaller countries, the the more Eastern and southeastern European countries, the stuff that comes through the LCBO is largely unremarkable. And I mean, it's one of these things where I keep having people tell me. I know we're talking about Croatia today, but you know, when I have people talk to me about like Georgian wine, for example, they talk about, oh my god, the wines from Georgia are so good, but you know, every bottle that works its way through the LCBO is, you know, a disaster. I've I've never had a, a bottle of wine where I would just be like, is this good winemaking?
1: Uh you know what? Here's what I'd say. Um I have tasted maybe one or two, uh, but i I would agree with you. Most of the stuff is just too sweet, not not exciting. Um, You will probably look through one or two of my vintage reports, and there'll be a uh, like a wine from Georgia that I went, wow, a wine from Georgia that I could drink. Yes, so. yes.
0: Uh, but yesterday, I mean, you gave us a bit of a, a crash course in Croatian wines. We had a chance to taste through eight. I have notes on, on seven, because the last one, I think, was kind of uh, snuck in at the very end. Okay. And uh, we were, done. I was joined as well by Penelope Irving, who is going to be, I mean, she. She basically accosted us and demanded to be included on the
1: podcast going forward. <laughs> she, she did. She said she's our best guest ever. Yes. I. Uh, yep. That's exactly what she said. Sounds about right. Yeah. Best guest ever. Sounds great. So, right. uh, that means people have got to uh, um, uh, really tune in when she's back.
0: Definitely. Um. So I, I'm. I'm not exactly sure like where to start. Where to start this? So we. You know. I guess we'll go back to this. Like we tasted through seven wines. I'm gonna let you pronounce the varieties for some of the um, oh more locust whiz. ones. Uh, but okay. I think it's, it's most of them were were Plavik Mali.
1: Yes, there was a, a, a heck of a lot of Plavik Mali in there, and um, uh, and and in different iterations of of Plavik Mali. You know, more more oak, less oak, no oak, uh, two to three years in oak, uh, and then uh, then I, then there was the one that we totally agreed on. But let's let's go through it first. Uh, you want you want to go through all the wines or yeah? I, th- I think just we just the go ones through you liked.
0: Um. Well, no. I, uh, I'll be honest. I think all the wines were were drinkable. I was actually surprised at the price point on most of them. Yeah, because I, no, I was looking at my. They weren't, notes they weren't here. astronomically crazy. Well, I mean my, my favorite wine. Um, my favorite wine, and I think it became my favorite partly because of the value, is a thirteen dollar and eighty cents. Um. Bottle, And after we're done recording this podcast, I'm actually going to hop in the car and grab a bottle to enjoy tonight so I can try it with some appropriate food. I mean, there was a nice lunch that was served with it too, but it was uh, barbecued chicken and lamb. And yeah. I think it was almost a little, and, uh, like a roast potatoes, it was just a little bit too heavy for, I think, some of the wines even. Yeah,
1: way, so. I think the first few wines were a little on the lighter side, so they needed a lighter meal. Uh, these ones were more, or, or the lunch was more set towards the uh, the end of the of the wine tasting spectrum.
0: Um, okay, so you know what, I, I, think, I, th- I think I know how we're going to get into this here. Because uh, the wines that we're going to talk about, there's a mix of, uh, I guess, French varieties and then a mix of more indigenous varieties. Why in Croatia is there a mix of French and indigenous varieties, and why aren't they not focused on one or the other?
1: Well, I think they're, um, from what I understand, most of the, uh, the the new realm of Croatian winemakers are starting to lean more into their indigenous grape varieties. Um, in the 20th century, though, they they did start bringing in more uh uh, French varieties, more international varieties. Uh, what I, what I found really extraordinary was that, uh, uh Croatia has been at this for over 2,500 years. Uh, you, you would, you would knock me over with the feather if you had told me that Croatia would be making wine that long, but lo and behold, they did, or they have been, um, you know, they got stopped a couple of times, Uh, From doing it, the 16th century was one of those times, and uh, obviously during uh, the communist uh, um, uh, reign, uh, that's where they also uh, got stopped, uh, and mostly into the uh, quantity versus quality um, of wines, and... um, yeah, that's that's the things that I, that I that I learned that that they they have a lot of uh, German and Austrian varieties that that are almost considered indigenous because of the Habsburg Empire that was that uh, ruled over that part of the world for a while. Uh, so that was that was important to learn. Um, but you know they have Sauvignon Blanc, they have Grenache, they have uh, Syrah, they have Cabernet Sauvignon, they have Cabernet Franc. As well as a, a bunch of their own indigenous varieties that they uh, that they are trying to um, uh, introduce to the world
0: and when you're thinking about Croatian wine, like what is something that should be the hallmark of it? I mean you know like when you think of California you think of either like California cab or you know buttery chardonnay or, or Zinfandel you think about um, you know you think about South America you think about Chile or Argentina, likes pretty easy. Cabernet Sauvignon and Malbec. Like, what's what's the signature that Croatia should be hanging their hat on, or what it is? It
1: well, I, I thought of the wines that we tried. Uh, the Plavic Mali is 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 really a, the red wine of of a choice for them. Uh, it's something that you can understand because it's a cross between. What we would know today as Zinfandel and Drobrick, uh, I think, is what it is, okay. uh, which is a which is an indigenous uh, variety for them. They have a ton of different white varieties. Uh, Popich, I think, is one of them, and uh, we tried another one that was uh, Babbage from a winery called Babbage. Um, that, <laughs> that was also poured very much at the end of the uh, of the presentation, not the presentation, but the end of the day. So there was a couple of other, you know, bonus Croatian wines that that did show, but uh, the day was all about what Badel was making, and uh, and and their and their, you know, they started with a Sauvignon Blanc and then a bunch of iterations of Plavic Mali, and then they they ended with that you know, really special wine that I don't know if we want to talk about it quite yet, but yeah, I
0: think you're jumping you're jumping ahead a little bit, yeah.
1: Uh, you know, you know I guess and flocks are also played a, played a, a part in, uh, in what they, what they did in, in Croatian wine history. Um, they, uh, they lost obviously, uh, vineyards like everybody else did in Europe. And, uh, it seems that that's a, a lot of when, uh, those Germanic and Austrian varieties came, uh, came over. Well, there you go. So... Yeah, and they, and it's a you know the other thing is it's an absolutely beautiful country. I I, I hate to say this, but uh, when you think of Croatia, you my mind anyway goes back to um, when you know they had that war yeah. and armed conflicts. I, I always think of that, and then and then you look at what what's going on there now. Obviously, they haven't been at war for years, but it's just you know one of the things that that um, that you think about. And then, and then you look at some of these pictures of seasides and the vineyards and you're like, wow, that's, that's absolutely gorgeous. So now I want to go to Croatia, like there's nobody's business. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they also have four different wine regions, um, such as we would have, you know, our, our provinces and, and our regions and they, they they haven't broken them down Completely like, say, Niagara has in, 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 in the sub zones, but they have broken it down into four regions uh, the Croatian uplands, then there's the Dalmatian wine region, where they also grow dogs. I don't know if you know that. Uh, the Istria. Okay, just and before Ka- we get uh, further along, like that's a, that's a joke. Yeah, yeah. Okay, continue. Uh, Istria and and, and Kvarner, and then they have, uh, just going through this, Slavonia and um, Podunavlja. Pudunav, which, you know, I again, I'm probably mangling the language, so I apologize.
0: Nope. Hey, I mean, I can't even call you on it. But I imagine if your accent in Croatian is as good as it is in French, you're probably doing... Yes.
1: Probably some kind of good.
0: You definitely don't have your CBC pronunciation uh,
1: guide in front of you. No. So uh, we had seven wines to, to, to try. And uh, we started with, I, I think, the most international of varieties these days, Sauvignon Blanc.
0: Yep. It's um,
1: called, it called Sauvignon Bezak.
0: Okay, I'm guessing Bezak must be the
1: Croatian word for Blanc. It could be, or it could be this Verhungska. Because what I what I didn't know is when we were talking about the uh, the Plavic Mali, and I don't know if you ever saw that word that was read right after it, called that had C-R-N-I, which was Kreni. Um, it means red. And from what I understood, one of the, um, one of the organizers from, uh, from United Stars said, why is that there? And I said, it's because it's on their literature. He goes, all that means is red. So everybody's asking me if there's a white <laughs> plavic molly. I'm going, oh, okay. I'll take that out. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So. Okay. So the Sauvignon Blanc, um, uh, the first glass I had was quite oxi- oxidized.
1: And I must have had the same glass that you had. I just I just thought it was the style because it sits in, uh, in tank for a year and then bottle for three months.
0: And then uh, I, I asked for a second glass. And uh, I think the person who was – is it Vladimir who's from United Stars? Yes. Yeah, he seemed surprised that I, I said it was oxidized. But, I mean, it's something that we need to remember both as writers, as agents, and as producers is that while screw caps are very, very
1: good, they can still fail. If they're not applied correctly, so. correct, and I think I I told you that I had a Sobon California Zinfandel uh, about a week ago, and instead of making you know the the multiple clicks when it turns, there was like one click, and I went, that doesn't sound good, and it was completely oxidized. It was only an eight year old bottle of Zinfandel, but it was horrible.
0: Yeah, but 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 I mean, it's the other thing too is is like when you're some when you're someone pouring the wines. So this is not meant to be harsh criticism to Vladimir in case he's he's listening because I very much enjoyed his uh, his demeanor. He's a He's a jolly fellow. Like I would love to sit down and talk with him. Maybe at some point there'll be uh, a reason to get him on the podcast. But um, yeah, I mean, sometimes that stuff just happens. Um, I I asked for a glass from the second bottle. I still find there were some oxidized notes to it. uh, But the second glass showed much more fruit. It felt very
1: more uh, varietally correct.
0: I, I didn't catch the price on the wine.
1: Uh, the price on the uh, Sauvignon Blanc was uh, like something like thirteen, sixteen, sixteen, eighty,
0: sixteen, eighty. So I mean that was yep. right in the price range of where it should be. I mean, and if and if adding a bit of an oxidized note to the wine is is a winemaking winemaker's decision, I mean that's fine, good good for you. That's not my my favorite thing, but I thought I thought the wine was quite quaffable. It had a floral note. It tasted like what Sauvignon Blanc should taste like. I, you know, it's one of those things where when you do a tasting like this, it sucks when you only get like a snapshot of what the region can offer because you really, you know, I'd love to see how it stacks with the other Sauvignon Blanc from the region, et cetera, so. Uh,
1: You know, I I found it, now I found the, I think I had the oxidized version, so I had some bruised peach, but I I did find some lemon notes to it, some lemon zest. Uh, It had good acidity though, like even oxidized, it had some good acidity, but I found it uh, more green than oxidized.
0: You uh, you're like underripe yeah yeah, yeah but not you, you saw the Sauvignon
1: Blanc was underripe yeah oh interesting
0: okay but, so there could be but another not, issue but here not with...
1: in the kind of way that a New Zealand one is underripe this was underripe and slightly oxidized and peach pit and so it, it, put it this way it, in the seven wines it probably ranked as my number seven
0: uh, I would agree with that I, I mean there was nothing like spectacular about it once again um we tasted them without knowing what the price points were, so kind of across the board, it was a nice surprise to see how good. Because I'd guessed that the wine was somewhere in that fifteen to twenty dollar price range, so it was a nice surprise to see that it was right where it should be. So,
1: yeah, and uh, I, I look, I, I I was I was told, um, uh, I guess a, a little off the record, I can't tell you who it was, but uh, that in years that they that, that it's good, it's great. In years that it's uh, it's. But there are years that they make this that is just stunning. So they just got to get some uh, some consistency in this wine. And uh, I think they're off to the races. Well, there we go. Uh,
0: the second wine was, mm, I think, my favorite of the bunch. It was Peljasek. Peljasek, I think. I don't think you say the J's in Croatian. I think oh. they become wise. Peljasek? Anyways, but it was it was a Plavac Mali, uh, one yep. to two years in stainless steel with no oak, and I just the tannin was super soft, super short, with like just kind of notes of smoke and savory down the middle, cranberry, cherry, sour cherries. It was um, a great cool climate feeling wine, uh, really nice acid uh you know this is not one i think would age for a long time but it might be worth holding onto a cellar for like maybe two years if you wanted to see how it would evolve but i I just found that like super delicious something that was like light um you know even lighter than pinot noir gamay just because of the 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 shortness of the tannin and something that would be you know the, the one of those elusive red wines to go with fish so
1: I, 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 I totally agree with you. I love the acidity on this wine. It was under screw cap, so I think it's got a little more ageability than you believe it does. Um, and uh, from what I understand, Croatians don't like screw cap. Uh, so that's made definitely for the international market. Um, and, I, and, I, and I really loved how... Uh, the the acid and how sippable this wine was and how you could enjoy it with food or you could enjoy it itself you could chill this one down it was like um, it's Croatian Gamay as far as I was concerned
0: yeah I think that's a very apt I actually I wouldn't even say Gamay because you know it's one of the things that I think we you and I both love about Gamay is that you know if if Pinot Noir is like you know uh, in, in elegant prints, you know the gamay is the guy who shows up with the biker tattoos, and that's what I like about. It. I found this a little bit too elegant to be compared to uh, gamay.
1: No, oh. all right, well, I found th- I found it very, very easy, easy drinking, uh, like a like a more like a village than a crew. Yeah, okay, we'll go with that. Uh, uh, I Guess so- wine number three that we tried this 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 ranked like um, so, like if if. If the Sauvignon Blanc was my seven wine, this would have been my six. Okay. Uh, it was the Cuvée Benkovac. Okay. Uh, Two thousand eighteen. It was all international grapes: Grenache, Syrah, uh, Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, and uh, Mourvedre. Um, I, I, I got a lot of tarry, earthy, smoky notes to it, uh, so it needed time to open up in a glass, and it, 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 it took its it, look at it, it took its time to open.
0: But it did open eventually. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed. Then you had some
1: cassis and some black plum, some blueberry skin,
0: blueberry skin. Oh, that's a good note. Um, I I actually did enjoy this one quite a bit, but, and even oh. more once again looking at the price. Cause this is a fifteen dollar bottle of wine. I mean, this is one of those things where I don't know if if you were running a restaurant where maybe wine wasn't your super duper
1: focus,
0: like this would be a good buy the glass. Like if you were if you were Looking for
1: an affordable buy-the-glass wine, we, we didn't ha- we didn't have a lot of decanters uh, at the event, so what we had to do was uh, make a make a judgment call on which wines to decant, and we chose the last two to, de- to decant. I think the cuvee here could have used a, a good decanting as well.
0: Okay, I'd agree with that.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, that being yeah. said, though, like, I mean, it was it was interesting. I did find it quite approachable from the the. Um, from the onset, I mean, I guess it's sort of a bit of a paradigm, like it's, it's a paradox. Like it's it's not a wine that I think would age for a long time in a cellar. Uh, I think after three to five years, it'd probably fall apart to the point of being old wine.
1: Yeah, because it. it is it is a stain, all stainless steel, which I found interesting that they, they didn't put any oak into this wine whatsoever. Yes. Um, so, yes, I, I would agree with you. About a two, th- two to three years, and, and I think probably the third year would be its best.
0: Yep, um I think I would agree with that. I think even year two it would be it would be best. But I mean you and I you and I I think we just we feel differently about wine. So let's just move right on to the the third wine. This was the uh Plavik Hvar Plavik Mali. Another Plavik Mali, yeah.
1: And it was a, a two thousand eighteen. Uh this one uh was from the island of which is why it gets that name Plavik Hvar, uh, which is a gorgeous island. Uh, Like just looking at the pictures, because having hosted the event, I I looked through um, you know pictures of the island, and it's it's absolutely stunning. Again, I'm like, wow, that you know that's not what I had in my mind for Croatia, Uh, and it's supposedly the hottest. uh, It has sorry the highest number of sunny days uh, in all of Croatia. So if you're going to go to Croatia, live on an island. I guess that's what the uh, bottom line on that one is. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I mean, here's the thing. So this uh, but 100, is but 128 hectares uh, of vineyard, uh, and they all face the uh, face the sea.
0: So okay, okay. So then like, let's let's just jump in. This was another one that was $15.80, and I thought very, very affordable for the money. This wasn't my favorite. It was definitely the most austere of the wines. Like it it had like the tannins were starting to get a little bit wider, a little bit broader, a little bit chunkier. You know, we're looking at, at some some cellarability in this yep. case. Uh, that was one that definitely needed some decanting, and then here we go. Moving on to the next one, we have. But it also
1: it also had fifty fifty percent of the of the uh, wine went into barrel for six months. Yes, for so six months. That 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 was the next step up from that that first one you really liked.
0: Yes, yes, but I mean, six months isn't a long time in 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 terms of
1: um no, you know, in, allowing in wine to 18, really no. come together I mean, and focus, right? And it, 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 I, it didn't say whether it was new or used oak, but I have to believe it was kind of new. Based on how a steer a steer it was and how much tannin was coming off of that wine.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. But I mean, you had a chance to put the notes together about this.
1: Well, it, you know, it didn't exactly say if it was new or not. I'm just guessing. That's my that's you know my professional taster's opinion. I thought there was a you know a fair bit of new. Well, oak I mean, and, and you know, this the thing I, this is the thing I like about
0: tasting wines like like in this way. Um, Without having a full detailed tasting note in front of us and having a full detailed chem breakdown, is it doesn't matter whether the oak is new or not. We can just talk about what it tastes like and, and how the wine's going to perform, and there's
1: no uh, preconception for us. So correct, and then you just assume what you assume, and then you, if you're wrong, you're you're wrong, and you go, "Well, my bad."
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so the next one was the 2016 Mediterranean Plavic Mali, fifty percent twelve months in oak, Croatian oak. Um, I don't think this one said whether it was new or used, but once again, I'm assuming this was new.
1: Yeah, there was a, there was a fair bit of new, I think, on this. Uh, and 50% of it goes into oak and for 12 months, and and 50% obviously doesn't. This this uh, was a really well-put-together together wine. Island, but a little bit higher up uh, in elevation. Yeah, th- this was a really well-put-together wine.
0: Uh, and, uh, and for 23 This was my second favorite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, y- you know, I think this would probably be third favorite for me if we're if we're ranking them and it's just like the tannins weren't weren't too big uh it was already soft and well integrated so the i mean the wine making it's definitely done with the intention of having this wine ready to drink like i think this is sort of the the featherstone style of of winemaking it's a 2016 so it's already spent some time in in barrel and bottle uh so it's ready to drink now but i i still think there's another like five to seven years on that easy
1: and there was a juicy aspect to that to that palate when you got it. I had a bigger glass than you, sorry, Andre. I just they, they gave me a big glass, so I was able to um, to take advantage of of how the wine opened a little bit better than the 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 ISO glasses that they passed out to to everybody else. But uh, I, I found there was a juiciness to that wine that was really just lovely. And um, yeah, I, I just thought this was a, a, a well made, well put together, and that it's you know already five years old from harvest date obviously is, is pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, there we go. No, oh, I, th- I thought you had more to say, but obviously you.
0: No, no. I mean, I said everything like this was just a, a really juicy wine. And um, I, I guess, but before I like come to a conclusion or a question, cause I, I, I have something where I just, I'd like you to unpack it with me here, but we need to talk about. It. So the last one we had was a 2013 Ivan Dolak. So we're not dealing with a wine that's eight years old. And um this is one that definitely needed some time decanting. Two to three years in oak, I'm guessing a large percentage of new oak. Even after eight years of age, um the tannins still like ripped my
1: face off. Yeah, and I, and I, I mean, found not- this to be a very big big wine. Yes, exactly. And uh, you know, this was this was the most expensive bottle, so this was forty, whereas the one before I think it was Twenty
0: three. Uh, well, yeah, twenty three is what I've written down. I, I'm thinking yeah. of the actu- the actual, the accurate. It was twenty two
1: eighty five or twenty two ninety five or something, which I thought was a, it was a, was pretty good. Good. Um, this one just, just needs time, like lots and lots of time. Um, I, I, I have, I have two thoughts on this wine, uh, based on uh those tannins that you were you were talking about but but i'll let you come in with something here and 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 i'll give my opinion in a minute
0: uh well you know i think you should give your opinion because mine is more of an overview question i, I mean oh. I, I thought i thought this wine was okay but like i didn't think it was anything i, I think for the price i i liked the um um i liked the 20 16 better. I felt it was more, it, it hit that sweet spot of like ready to drink now, good value, and, um, and
1: seller Well, I, so I, so I, I thought this wine, it, 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 one of two things happens with this wine, in my opinion. Either that, that fruit character comes out, or it continues on that tarry, earthy, leathery kind of note that I got a lot of. Um, and it, it it speaks either to uh, aging the aging of the wine or 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 what they're doing and and what I'd like to know and I and I never did find out and it's something I probably would want to, to learn is when the um, uh, how long they've been making this wine for interesting uh, and the reason is you know are they are they changing it or is this a formulaic wine and I see it's it's won quite a few awards. Actually for the o seven for the o eight for the o nine um, so it's it's won quite a bit of, of awards and the, and the other thing is uh, sometimes here in Ontario uh we end up getting wines later than we should do you know what I mean like yes, just I because do. of the LCBO it, this, it takes and just forever the to get through the lab have.
0: and get on the ground you know I, I completely get that
1: yeah so sometimes the wines just come in too late and or something has happened and and we uh I don't know. Sometimes here in Ontario, we really get get screwed by the monopoly. Of, the things just don't come in in time in a timely manner.
0: Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it it does suck how the bureaucracy works. That you know, if you're a small importer, that you can't rush stuff through. Um, like I know we have a lab and a process that needs to be done to that, but I mean, everyone is still at the beck and call of of the the process that the
1: LCBO follows. But 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 on the other hand, the the wine itself probably needs like like meat like it needs that lamb it needs the chicken i think just it didn't do anything for the chicken but that lamb it needed some sort of gamey meat to uh, help that wine along um and uh and and i think it did work when i when i tried some lamb and i tried that wine um and as it opened I, i got more out of it because uh it just happened to be the bottle that ended up on our table yes and uh it sat there and sat there and i did notice that it 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 started out as a half bottle and continued to go down, which meant somebody was drinking it. It could have been me, could have been you, could have been Penelope. Well, there you go. Um, so, so we must have, we must have liked it in in some way. We're, we're I, not,
0: I I didn't have a second a second hit of it. The bottle sat on the table, and I didn't I didn't revisit it. I just it was a little it was too tannic for me. It was it was being stubborn. Was being very stubborn and, and not wanting to open up. So
1: I'll, I'll give you that. It was a very, it was a very stubborn wine. Okay. Now, so, the, so
0: here's the question I have, and this is what I want to unpack, just because we've been going on for a while, and we should probably think about wrapping the podcast shortly. Um, but you,
1: for, you forgot about our favorite wine.
0: Well, no, I want to get to that. Oh, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. in a, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but so as a consumer going to this tasting, what's supposed to be my takeaway for Plavik Mali? Because we've basically gone from, I, I guess, for one thing, um, so it's a versatile grape. It can be interpreted in many ways. Because we've gone from, you know. Not quite not quite gamay, but not as light as Pinot to you know, Sotanic, you know, this might as well be a cousin of Nebbiolo, right? Yeah. So what's my takeaway? What's what's Plavic Mali supposed to taste
1: like? Well, obviously a, a very versatile grape, as 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 you mentioned. Um, it, it takes to oak well, it takes to non-oak really well. Um, you know, it it's it's an old wine industry, but it's also a, a fairly young wine industry because, you know, uh, uh communism as has abated it's it's gone now now wineries are starting to go okay well um, now we have to uh you know uh make wine f- for international distribution not just uh, uh our own consumption which a lot of the, uh, of the wines from croatia were just you know, home consumption for your friends, that's how you were making wine. And now a new generation is coming in and they they have to find that sweet spot for an international market. And I think, um, I'm, I'm going to go back to a, a, Portu, a Portuguese uh, tasting I once did in the Lisboa region. And what they ended up having was, like, you know and I know that Portugal has some lovely indigenous varieties. Yes. But, The problem they have is when they get to the shelves here, people are like, I have no idea what that is. So what they started doing was putting a little bit of cab in, putting a little Syrah in, putting a little bit of Merlot in. And the reason was when it got to the shelves, they could say it's a a Merlot blend or a, a cab blend. Not necessarily was the cab or the Merlot the dominant wine. Uh, but it was in there, and people would go, "Oh, I'll try this Merlot blend because I know Merlot, or I know Cab, or or I know Syrah," and 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 that's how they got people to start trying their wine. And I think Croatia should be looking at the same kind of model. Uh, the wine geeks out there will want to try things like Plavac Mali and 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 Welsh Riesling and all the 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 other grape varieties that I'm not going to try and mangle here and now, but. Um, the rest of the pub- public will look at a Croatian wine and go, I don't know Plavac Mali, but I, I, I recognize some Syrah, so why don't I try it?
0: I think maybe the other way we need to look at, you talk about models, the models is that, you know, maybe not a large number of consumers will be turned on to Croatian wine, but um, hopefully United Stars maybe gets these bottles into the hands of some of the bottle shops and could look at bringing some of the, the more premium stuff. Because while the price point is really good, I I don't think that the the wine geeks would have any issues um, uh, would have any issues paying a little bit more for like the, the the premium options, you know. I I could see that,
1: yeah, yeah. If you get them into bottle shops and they can be hand sold, that's another way to do it for sure.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about our last one then before before we wrap because I guess my my takeaway is we need we you and I need to both drink more Croatian wine so we can get a better baseline for what this what this is supposed to taste like.
1: Um, so this one was called the Corlat Syrah. It was 2016, young young vines in comparison to to some 2005, 2006 is when they were grown. Higher elevation as as far as you know the Croatian wines that we tried, 280 to 300 meters. Uh, this one spends no less than two years in oak. Uh, it's bottled unfiltered, and 70 percent of the wine goes into that oak. This, to me, was like a like just a beautiful bottle of Syrah.
0: Yeah, I, I felt like it was a very new world style of wine making.
1: Yeah, there was there was no doubt about it. It it was it was it drank well. Uh, it had good spice. It had all the characters you wanted in Syrah. Um, it had great texture. Uh, you know, the the blueberry there, the raspberry was there, the cassis was there, the pepper was there. I don't think you would have um, picked it out as Croatian, but I don't think you would have picked it out. Uh, as as anywhere else, either would
0: you? I, I thought it was BC, I, It would have tasted. It would have been a dead ringer for BC Syrah. Really
1: interesting. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. I guess. I guess I'm. I, I become biased because I already knew. Uh, you know what, it, what? Where it was from uh, when I tasted it the first few times, and I was like, hmm. I, I can't really. I can't really place where I would have. Would have placed it in. It kind of had its own little spectrum. Uh, which is good, right? I mean, you know, I think, I think, uh, anywhere that you're growing grapes should have a je ne sais quoi from that specific region. Uh, and I think it did. I think it showed varietal characteristics, yeah, but totally. it also showed, uh, another side of Syrah because it was from a, a, from a different land that you and I had not tried Syrah from.
0: Definitely. Uh, but I, I think once again, again, it comes down to the channel, the challenge, the challenge, Ugh. why was that a hard word? The, the challenge with doing a tasting like this, because we only got to taste one example of two of these varieties, it's it's hard to make a declaration of, like, this is what Croatia tastes like. So, you know, I I, I really appreciate having the opportunity to taste these wines, but I'm looking forward to tasting more so that I can learn more.
1: I am, I am too. I, I think it's opened my eyes to uh, to Croatia and Croatian wines, and uh, I, I hope we see more of them. I, I hope more of them you know, come to our shores, Uh, I don't necessarily think the LCBO is going to, you know, jump on the bandwagon anytime soon. But uh, if you get a chance to go to one that's put on by by United Stars or any of the other um, uh, agents bringing in Croatian wine, I think it it behooves you to do so. And um, uh, and if we get back to hopefully, you know, those mass agent tastings, I'm sure we're, you know, maybe a year from that, uh, then you know, hep, hop over to a uh, a table that says Croatia on it, and don't shy away from it, thinking, you know, they're Georgian wines.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Hopefully, we'll, well, hopefully, we'll see better wines from small. I, I'm hoping that the the change to the bottle shop model will allow some, you know, some smart people who know that there's good wines from other countries to start bringing them in. I, I yeah. think I think it's a huge huge opportunity for that. It's just oh yeah, the there's whole... there's,
1: a, there's a lot, and 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 I and you know, I, I know that there's people out there who think and I've heard it, they go, oh, well, it's not the bottle shop thing's not going to be forever. They're going to close that loophole. I think it's here. No, it's here you for good. You they can't put that. this toothpaste back in the tube. They, they, they've said that.
0: They've said that the um, uh, that, that was made officially permanent and um, I mean, whether or not the uh, whether or not the market whether, whether or not the market will adjust to buying wine from smaller shops instead of the LCBO uh, is another thing, but I mean you know, you get the emails from me from time to time. I, I, When I have a case of wine that I'm trying to split, it's it's a drag for me to get 12 bottles of something brought in because, you know, I want three or four bottles of Dominique Piron and then, you know, set three aside for Michael and two aside for Guillaume and two aside for whoever and then arrange to have them pick them up or deliver them where I'd rather just pay the, the $5 markup for the convenience. And, and I mean, that's yeah. how it works. Not yeah, that I don't that mind makes... splitting splitting a case with you. I mean, I, sh- I shouldn't have thrown the names up because those are people I really enjoy sharing wine with, but it's just like... You know once in a while I get a wine where it's just like I want one or two bottles of it. I don't wanna have to drag people kicking and screaming to taste the wines with me
1: yeah no and i and i and I get that too because i have uh, I have my share of friends who say when you when you taste something really good at a at a tasting tell us and and we're in on it, and you know you every time you do that if you really think about it, you are putting your uh your brand on the line you <laughs> really are what happens if they don't like it right and uh then you're you're like. Well, I've lost that person to share a case of wine with, right? Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. You've really got you to just... really know the palates of your friends. That's right. To say, you're going to love this wine. You're going to want to put your hard-earned money without even tasting it. Well, there you go.
0: All right. So, once again, thank you for inviting me to that. Thanks to United Stars. Um, looking, I, Like I said, after this is done, I am going to go get a bottle of that Plavic Mali. um. I'm gonna have to write down the number because I mean I'm not used to J's being used as vowels. Pellisac is what I'm gonna grab thirteen dollars and eighty cents. Since I don't have a photo right now of the event, I'll probably just take a bottle shot of that and put it on the cover for uh, for the podcast for next week.
1: I have I have a picture of
0: all the bottles if you want it if you want it. Okay, well, fine. You can send that to me. Um, yeah. As always, the support is appreciated for people who check out our Patreon. Uh, you know, thank you for people who who do that. And you can follow me on social media at Under Review.
1: And if you're looking to sponsor the podcast, we are uh, we're taking applications. Is that right? Taking applications is that the word? We are. Is well, I guess, the- I guess
0: I guess wouldn't say taking applications, but we're we we are open to sponsorship opportunities. If you have a business that's wine adjacent, or um, you just want to let people know what's going on, um, I mean the The more money we have coming in, the better we can make the podcast sound. Uh, the, and you know, support support your independent journalists.
1: That's 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 the way we want to put it. I'm Michael Pincus of Uh Found uh, as the great guy in most places, but sometimes just Michael Pincus because I didn't unify the dang thing. For shame. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. This episode
0: of Two Guys Talking Wine was produced by Jim Ray and Adam Duran.